Good evening. It's good to be in church. Glad each 12 of you are here. No, each one of you are here tonight. Please take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Before we get started tonight, Pastor said I could share something with you. On Monday night, just gone by, I had an opportunity to preach via Skype into India. And that was done here at church. And we had um, some issues with Skype um, getting there. So we ended up having to preach from my phone. So we're going to, Curtis, if you can just click on some photos for me. So these are the people that I was preaching for. The guy right in the middle in the white shirt, that's Pastor Jeevan Giothi, I think his last name was pronounced. Some of them are his family members and there's a couple of men there that, um, I guess they call them evangelists who go out and, and, and work in the ministry there. The next one, that's me on the screen. I was pressed up against the wall because we had to plug my phone in and we contracted a chair and a, um, one of the music stands to, to hold the phone up at the right angle. And so I preached up against the wall and that's them listening and the next one. And that's them obviously reading their Bibles. So it was good. Uh, just wanted to share that. If you can pray for me, they want to try and make that a monthly thing if, if are possible. Um, okay, you can take that down now. Thank you. Um, so if you can pray with me about that for future, um, it's just an opportunity the Lord has allowed. Um, and next year I'd, I'd like to, if Lord willing, go and visit there and, and do a trip and preach out there in person if that's what um, the Lord allows. So um, the pastor was happy and excited about that and he said if I'd, it'd be good if I could share that with you tonight. So let's have a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look from verse 21 to 31. It's just a very simple thought tonight um, and I hope it's an encouragement to you and, and a challenge. We're going to start reading verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 1. It says, For after that... In the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Why don't we pray and ask God just to help us tonight to uh, learn and understand the truths found in the word of God and we'll give God the glory for it. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to uh, bring forth uh, some thoughts from your word do pray that you might use it and uh, take it and apply it to our hearts and may we see the value in, in, in doing what you want us to do. And thank you that you are willing to use even us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
It's pretty easy to see today when you consider the world around us that the world is, would we all agree, is in a lost state. Okay, the world's not getting better. We're in a very poor state. If every time you turn on the news, somebody else has done something absolutely crazy, some politician has made a decision that's just, you think, where is this going? Uh, laws are being changed, things, we're just, it is so crazy. We've got to admit that the world is full of lost people and who do not know Jesus Christ as their saviour and if they were to die today, they would not see heaven because they have died in their sin. For us, we understand that, but I, want to just, just, I just want to refresh that in your mind to get you thinking um, about your service for the Lord. They will die in their sin, they'll be separated from God and such would be both you and I if it wasn't for the grace of God. If it wasn't for God sharing with me and showing me that I was lost, I would be just the same as the world. If I was to die, I would die in my sin and I would be separated from God. But by the grace of God, I received Jesus Christ as my saviour and if I were to die today, I, by faith in what the, what the Bible says, I know I would stand before God in heaven. It is God's desire and has always been so that nobody should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We see that in, in, uh, in 2 Peter 3.9. It's God's will that people be saved. He doesn't want people to die in their sin. He's actually made it quite easy for mankind to get saved. God sees his creation separated from him by sin and wants that sin to be dealt with and mankind to be reconciled to him. Would you agree that God is still interested in what happens to man today? God never just created it and then just took his hands off and said, here you go, let's see what happens. God never did that. God created the world and he's very interested in what happened. Obviously, he's not glad about the sin and, and the course that man took way back at the beginning with Adam and Eve, but he's still interested in his creation. He's still interested in what happens with his creation, with, with man today. He's interested in, in, in the very lives of every individual, what happens, what takes place, the good things, the bad things. He's very interested. Would you agree with me that God cares about the lives of men? If he didn't care, he, wouldn't have, he would not have sent his son into the world to die for the world. God cares so much. No matter what you're going through um, this week, it, it may be a tough week for you. Understand God cares for you. God cares about what, what is going on in your life what you're going through. And would you agree, and, and, and this is a, a, a great thing, that God is still saving sinners today. No matter whereabouts it is in the world, no matter what culture, no matter what, how they're brought up, no matter what age or race or religion, God is still saving sinners today who turn from their sin to Jesus Christ and become reconciled back to God. Did you know there's currently just over 24 million people in Australia who need the gospel. 24 million. Seems like a big task, but God is able. I was doing some research for India, and did you know that there's just over 1.34 billion people in India who need the gospel? A lot of people. Can you imagine trying to cram all them in, in like, Australia's got a huge, vast amount of land. And at 24 million now, our coastlines are getting very crowded in, in, in certain spots. Can you imagine bringing in another 1.1 something million people, a billion people into the country? A lot of people to tell about Jesus. 
So, so it's pretty clear the gospel needs to get out. God's very interested in the gospel getting out. And I thought about, have you ever thought about why God has chosen the way to get the gospel out the way he has? God could have used any method that he likes to get the attention of man. I'm not sure if you noticed tonight, depending on the angle that you drove the church in, but where, where we come from, when, we, when you come down towards 7-Eleven from Eaton's Hill, right as you set up the lights, you've got the Eaton's Hill Hotel across the road, but just kind of in the distance, the moon was full tonight. It was like that last night as well. But you get this massive, giant ball in the sky and you think, wow, that's God created that. That's, that's awesome. It, to me, the elements of the, the things that you see that we, that, we, that we stand in awe at, God could have used those if he, really, if he really chose to because of God's great power. He could use the very elements to get a hold, of, to grab a, the man's attention and, and to turn man from sin if he really wanted to. He's made such great things to, I guess, to captivate us. It wouldn't take much for God because of who he is and his great power to use those things to grab the attention of man and to help him get saved. God could have used his mighty angels. He, he used angels throughout the Bible to, to get messages across, to talk to people. He could still do that today if he really wanted to. He could bring down an army of angels to, I guess, to captivate the audience and say, you're in sin, you need to repent. But he hasn't chosen that. And I believe God could have revealed himself just completely. I know the Bible says no man can see God and live, but if he really chose to, he could come down and reveal himself to all of mankind and say, hey, I am real, I am the one that you need to turn to. Don't you think, I think, I think the world today likes to see signs and wonders. You see, um, you see in the news someone in some uh, South American country or something who eating their cornflakes one day and lo and behold, as they, as they pick up their spoon and put it in their mouth, they look down and the cornflakes that are left have made some sort of image that looks a resemblance of a face. And they say, I've seen Jesus. And millions of people flock to see that bowl of cornflakes. And they'll spend money and they'll worship and they'll think this is great because it, it, it resembles what they think is what God is. And yet people will flock to signs and wonders. God could have chose the greatest sign of all himself and said, hey, I'm real. You don't need to wonder anymore. Come to me and be saved. He could have done all that because of his great power, but the Bible says God never chose to do it that way. God has chosen the total opposite of what the world thinks to get people to himself. God doesn't choose what the, the world would think. He chooses us. The world follows the popular, but God has chosen what the world calls foolish. You get a movie star, you get a pop star that is popular, you'll get people to follow. You'll get instant hits on Instagram, on, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, because they're popular. You get people to follow. They just do something, they say something, and, and people flock to that. We would think maybe that's the way to get the gospel out. But God hasn't seemed to have chosen the popular. He's chosen you and I. The world follows those that are powerful. We think of the sports stars. We think of, of the mega stars. We think of great politicians. Those that are in great, great power often gain a great following. And you would think, well, maybe that's the way it should be done. But God has chosen, the Bible tells us, great power in the preaching of the gospel in verse 24. But, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There's the power of God unto salvation in Romans 1.16. God hasn't chosen the way the world would think is, is the way to get the message across. He's chosen opposite. And also think about the persistent people, those that spend a lot of time in education and, a dis- and, and live a disciplined a discipline life. People, t- and people tend to follow those with great knowledge. But with all that said, the world tends to follow that but for whatever reason, God has chosen you and I to get the gospel out. I'm not popular, certainly not powerful. I can't say I'm that educated or persistent in things. But God has chosen everyday people like you and me to get his work done. And we need to do that. I'm going to share with you just three, three simple things that I want to encourage you with about taking uh, what God wants us to do seriously and see that you can do it there's no reason why we can't i guess the thought of this message is god using little things the passage talks about god taking the foolish things the weak things the little things to confound those that are mighty and strong and wise and what the world calls foolish god seems to use they're only little things but in the hands of god they become great things and i want to encourage you with that tonight so the first thing is God uses a little faith. To get the gospel out, to, to, to get his work done, God uses a little faith. If you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew 17, 20. I'll just read that verse and, and make, make mention of it. Matthew 17, verse 20, and it's talking about the grain of mustard seed. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, they were asking, Why couldn't we cast out... Um, the demon from this person. Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. The Bible says, because of their unbelief, if they just had enough belief, enough faith, as like a grain of mustard seed, pretty much anything can be done. And I want to encourage you tonight that Sometimes we just don't believe that 24 million in Australia can get reached. Sometimes we believe that 1.34 billion in India just can't be reached. But the Bible is very clear because often it's because of our lack of belief that it can happen. We see that it's, it, it's just a hard task. The proposition of doing that, of me doing that, is pretty difficult, so why should I even try and I want to encourage tonight that we, we can have so many different excuses why we can't go. Sometimes we just think the task is too great. We look at the vast numbers of people and we think there are just too many people. I'm one person. We're a group here tonight of maybe 30 or 40 people. We would look at the, at the 24 million or the 1.34 billion and we'd say there is just too many people. The task is too great. We just can't do it. But we forget that God has already chosen the right way to go about it. God has already chosen us as people, even though we're not popular, we're not powerful, we're not persistent enough for the world to come to us. But God has chosen the method of individual, small people to take that task on. We need to believe that if that's what God wants, God can enable it to happen. God can get it done. We might say there's too many people. We might say, listen, when we go door knocking, when we try to hand out tracts, when I try to witness at, in, in my workplace and in my neighbourhood, people are just not interested. We make so many excuses. We say they won't listen. 
When was the last time you even tried to tell someone about Jesus? Did anyone, did anyone listen? You'll be surprised. The more you tell, the more people will listen. If we tell 10 people and two people listen, we might go, oh, the, the percentage is pretty low. Why should I even bother? No, no one's really listening. But as you go on, you tell 100, you might get 10 or 15 people to listen. You tell 1,000, you might get 100 or so people. And if we all do that, if we just keep doing it in our everyday lives, we need to believe that God can... If God's asked us to do the job, we've got to believe that God will, en- will enable what will happen next. We've got to believe that it can be done. Sometimes we think the task is just too great. Sometimes we just think... Uh, we need to work it all out first. You know, God doesn't need us to have everything thought out. If we were to, if we were to have a ministry or, or we think maybe God wants us to do something, some people might say, well, I can't do it until I have all the finances worked out. I can't do it until I have everything sorted out. All, all the ins and outs. Plan, processes, and until it all fits into place, then uh, I won't do it until that happens. Things like that never happen. I don't know how many missionaries wait until they have all the finance. How many, how many, how many missionaries wait until um, everything looks safe? Wait until the missionaries wait until there's a church already built before they go. That, it, it doesn't happen that way. People that go step out in faith. They don't need to wait till it's all worked out. They just go and do. You think about the heroes of the faith. They didn't know everything that was going to happen. Think about, consider Noah building the ark. When Noah went to build the ark, God said, these are the measurements, these are the things I want you to do. I want you to just go and do it. Can you imagine if Noah went, well, I'm not sure, I can see what you want me to do, but um, I need to work out how long it's going to take and I'll need to work out, make sure I've got enough people to do it. And, And then let's say he started doing that and he looked at the prospect and thought, well, this is crazy. It's almost physically impossible to get it done the way you want me to and the people are not going to be interested in it. So, yeah, I'm just not, just not going to do it. No one ever did that. He didn't wait till it was all sorted out. He didn't have it planned out in his head. God gave him instructions. He started. And even when people thought he was foolish, even though it took so long, he just kept at it and he was obedient at it. We don't need to wait until it's all planned out. If God wants you to tell someone, if God wants you to do a particular thing, we just need to believe that God can do it. Think about David when he fought Goliath. There was something in the way standing before Israel and no one else would do it. He didn't go, well, okay, if I, if I get my sling and if I get the right sort of size stones, throw it at the right angle, or I've got the sword there just as a backup. If he would have tried to plan it all out, he probably would never have gone. He said, hey, someone's doing the wrong thing here. I, God's helped me in the past. I don't really know how I've defeated the lion and the bear, but God help me. I mean, I believe God will help me again. Stepped out in faith. A little bit of faith. I can believe God can do it. And he went and did it. Brethren, I want to encourage you tonight. We have a great task before us. There's a lot of people, and it does look a bit daunting, and it does look a little bit scary. But just step out in faith. Have a little bit of faith, and God will use that. God says if you have a little bit of faith as, as, as a grain of mustard seed, great things can happen. You say to a mountain, remove it, and it will be removed. It's not because of what you can do, it's because of what God can do. It's because of what God's promised. It's all in the power of God. It's all in, in the will and, and wisdom of God. 
But God will use a little bit of faith if you will exercise a little bit of faith. Where's your faith at tonight? Do you have any faith at all with about what God can do? Or are you the sort of person that rationalises and says, well, 24 million people, there's 40 of us here, probably not going to happen, so well, I'm happy to just be in church and do the things, sing the songs, come and listen to preaching, and we're probably not going to do much more than that. If that's all we've got, then we're in a bad state. Take a plunge. Tell someone. Get your phone out, dial into India, and tell somebody. I don't know. But God will use a little bit of faith. God will use you to do something miraculous because it's what he's chosen to do. He's chosen to use you. He could have done it another way, but the Bible tells us that, that that's what he's chosen. Second thing is God uses little ability. Have you ever noticed the greatest men of God or the greatest people ever used are often not the most mightiest men? When you look through history, all the different Christians throughout the world, think of Fanny Crosby, who wrote many great hymns. She was a lady who was blind, really didn't have great... Uh, we probably wouldn't see her as, as, as someone great at the time, but she was blind and God used her. Someone that was weak, someone that was small, someone that had infirmities, but God was able to use that. Um, we don't seek just because someone looks presentable and someone looks majestic on the stage or someone booms with a great voice that he's the man that's going to get the world turned upside down. God will likely take the most unlikely person, the person that's frail, someone that's, that's probably more less, someone that is more less educated to get the job done. God will use those with little ability. And you, and you don't need great ability to be used of God. God's not looking for ability, but he's looking for availability. I know you've heard that, that saying before. You don't need to know everything. You know, I remember I knew a guy once who went through Bible college and did some training and that was great. Did, some, did four years of training, Bible college, and you would think, okay, what's his next step? What's he going to do? And next thing we hear, he's now in another four years of the next level of Bible seminary training and think, okay, so that's eight years and he's going through that and he's, he's educating himself and, and then when that was done, we think, okay, well, what's he going to do now? And lo and behold, another doctorate, another Bible, and, and you think, gaining knowledge is good, you need to understand what the Bible says. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that, but if all you ever do is gain knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and never give it out, What's the point in that? It's not the education. It's, it's, it's not the ability of, of gaining and, 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 and having so much wealth of knowledge. You've got to be able to give it out. So God is shown great when he uses small things. It doesn't matter how much you know, be willing to give yourself. Sometimes I even think, could God, would God really use me? Have you ever thought that yourself? Whenever you hear a message like this or... You read something and you think, man, those men in the Bible did great things and would God ever really use me? I want, you, I want to share you a little story with um, because of uh, this contact in India just recently. The way I got in contact with this man is many years ago when I was a teenager. I'd just gotten saved and I was attending a little independent Baptist church 
in uh, Tabulum, New South Wales. And my mum, as far as I know, had just gotten saved and was just a little small community church of maybe 30, 40 people maybe at, at the most. We met in a little CWA hall. And my mum just doesn't remember, but somebody within the church gave her this guy's name and said, you might want to, I mean, you may want to pen pal um, to this guy. Mum didn't know who he was and there was no computers in, in that day. It was just handwritten mail. So the process started. My mum w- would write to this guy and several months later, she'd get a letter back and it was just in handwritten scribble and it was just communication um, backwards and forwards. And that went on for, uh, for several years and uh, I got into my late teens and my mum said, uh, I'd, I'd gotten older and she said, maybe you might want to communicate with him. So I started communicating and, and each time we'd write back, the letters would get slightly better quality, the paper would change quality. Eventually it was from handwritten, it was now typewriter, the old um, typewriters and it just got longer, the letters and, uh, and then f- I think I even eventually I called him on the telephone into, into India many years ago. And it, um, I was, wasn't sure what denomination really was. He wasn't, he wasn't Baptist. But um, there was a bit of a gap where we lost communication. Then just recently in the last five or so years through, through social media, we made contact again. And just recently he shared with me that when my mum was pen palling with him, he wasn't a Christian. He was just a teenager, just like myself, in high school. And he was someone that obviously... I don't know how the names got crossed, but they started pen palling. And what my mum did was, as a newly saved person, has anyone ever heard of, of the Mailbox Club material? I'm sure some of us would. My mum would uh, send some Mailbox Club information to him, just some lessons, some basic lessons. And through that, he said, that's how he got saved, from this material that my mum had sent him. Now, my mum had no... Christian education. She had, had only just gotten saved, was new, didn't hardly know anything at all, yet she used what she had. Someone that was what we would class as a nobody sent some, some material to a nobody and now this man's pastoring and as far as I know doing a work and from, I've quizzed him from what he believes and as far as I can tell we believe very much the same. And the point I make is that my mum wasn't an educated person as far as the Bible goes. She wasn't someone that was on the road to great stardom within the Christian ranks. She was just a, a humble, small person. She actually is very small. She's about five foot. But um, I, on, a, on top of her head. But um, she was just a small person that, that, that God used to help someone get saved. And from there, this person is now going on and winning others to the Lord as well. So God can, don't ever think, can God really use me? I don't know enough. I really, I'm not eloquent in my speech. I don't have money. I don't have prestige. I don't have wealth. I don't have much going for me. But God can use you. God uses those with little ability. Understand that. And God will use you. Remember, God used some loaves and fishes to feed multitudes. The little boy that, that gave up his lunch and um, um, gave up what he had. He might not have seen the value in it, but he was willing to give it and God used it and God multiplied it and God used it greatly to help others um, get fed. 
Think about the 12 disciples whom, whom, whom God called. They were men of just humble, uh, of humble occupations. They weren't great men, but God chose them individually, put them together and turned the world upside down with the gospel. So God uses little ability and the third thing is God uses just a little bit of obedience. Sometimes we make excuses why we can't do what we're supposed to do. Again, we might say, well, I just don't have enough time. Isn't it funny we have enough time for other things? We have enough time for, for work and for our sports and our relaxation times and our hobbies and things we like to do, yet when it comes to serving the Lord in some way, oh, just so busy I just don't have enough time. We might say, well, I'm just not that good enough Christian. I, I still sin and I still struggle with things and, you know, it's no point me doing it because, you know, I'll probably have a bad testimony. I'm just not that good enough. Some, some of you might say, I might have to give up just too many things. You know, if the church wants me to be involved a bit more. It means I have to cut back on something and it's, mm, it's my time and, you know, once, once a week at church is fine. I don't want to give up too much. Some of you might say, what will my friends and family say if I ever step out and do something for the Lord. We always find excuses, but God will enable us to get the job done. I understand it's our responsibility to go and do. It's God's responsibility to do the rest with what we do. God never told us to go and, and make them saved. He just told us to go and preach the gospel to every creature. It's our responsibility just to go and do what he wants. No matter if we think we can, God's promised he will. Think about it, when Jesus called the disciples, they just left what the Bible says, that they left their nets and they went and followed him. When he sent the disciples out two by two, they didn't argue, they just went. They might have thought, man, we've got to go and do this. These people, they're not going to want to hear us, all the excuses I said before, but they just went and did. What about you today? Jesus tells us to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Is that what you're doing? Is that what I'm doing? In conclusion, I want you to think about this. You're a small thing that God is looking to use. He is aware of your failings. He is aware of your your humanity. He is aware of of your inabilities. He is aware of your weaknesses. Yet, he still wants and to choose to use you to help others get saved. Even though you don't think you can do it, even though you think you fail and just can't do it good enough, God still chooses to use you, no matter where you're at tonight. And when we do do this, and God does use us, guess what? God receives the glory and not us. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, that's the reason why he does it, is that no flesh should glory in his presence. We don't glory in it. We don't get the praise for it, but he does. Can you imagine 12 men with no experience being taught and then spreading the gospel and God using them to turn the world, get the gospel to everywhere, where physically would say, well, that's impossible, yet God receives the glory for it. And God will receive the glory in your life as well. I'll leave you with one scripture before we go and pray. Matthew 9, 37, 38, it says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labourers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labourers into his harvest. And may you be one of those labourers that God 
I guess, specifically chooses to do something for him this week, this month, this year. God will use you if you allow him to, and he wants to. hope that was an encouragement. Um, it challenges me to do more for the Lord, um, to be available. So let's pray, and then we'll look at the prayer requests, and, and, we'll, and then we'll go to prayer. Lord, thank you for uh, being able to stand and to deliver your word tonight. I pray that you please use it in a way that um, can reach hearts and can challenge and uh, may you use us to, to keep telling people about you, just to keep getting the job done no matter what. And I thank you and believe in faith that, that you will take us and use us to win many more to you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.